Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert. Today, we have a very special podcast. I'm here with Dr. Ravello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. I am feeling uh, really good because we have a guest today. We do. <laughs> um, we'll just call her Megan. Megan, our very, very special guest. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Megan. Of course. Really appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk about your rhinoplasty and the whole process you went through to, to get that operation done. Mm-hmm. My beautiful nose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way because it, it looks great. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you came to, like, say, like, you know what, I think I need to get a nose Mm -hmm. job. Yes. So I remember I was sitting at home and I was breathing, watching TV and everybody around me looked at me and thought I was snoring, thought I was asleep, (laughs) but I was just watching TV and my breathing was terrible. I couldn't get, I got zero oxygen up into my brain. Nothing was going through. Mm. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to see a doctor. Something needs to happen. This is not right. (laughs) So I looked at my research and I found Dr. Calvert. I live in Orange County. So that's how I found him. And so the breathing thing, did you break your nose? I think over the years, I was playing a lot of soccer. So ball kept getting hit in the face. Um, people were elbowing me. Mm. That's probably what happened. I also think it might be a little bit hereditary. My mom's also kind of hooked to the side like mine did a little bit. I've seen it in my brother a tiny bit. He's younger than me, so it wasn't as um, matured. His nose isn't as matured as mine was. But I definitely think over the years from getting hit from playing sports, it probably happened. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, breathing is important. Oxygen to the brain is really helpful. So Mm -hmm. that's very key. (laughs) Yeah. In my professional medical opinion, because I'm a doctor, you should have oxygen to your brain. So, no, but that's really important. And a lot of times you don't notice it. It's other people around you, Mm -hmm. significant others, spouses who are like, why are you breathing so loudly? Or do you realize you snore? And you're like, oh, I, I didn't. I didn't realize it. I couldn't breathe. And so, yeah, that's usually how that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, and your nose was visibly deviated on the outside, but very deviated on the inside. Mm. It was what we call a severe septal deviation. And typically, septal deviations are graded as mild, moderate, and severe. And I think your septum was basically up against the left nasal sidewall. Mm-hmm. So there was no room for there air to go anywhere. There was no air passage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you're right, Dr. Ravello. Oxygen is a good thing. It's really we, important. <laughs> we find as doctors that when our patients aren't getting oxygen, we tend to it's get a, a little miffed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit distressing <laughs> to us. Well, and so there you are. You say, okay, I need to find the surgeon. So you came in for a consultation. What did you expect the consultation process was going to be like? Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing consultations during COVID. So this was last year. So actually, Dr. Calvert was very attentive in doing it over FaceTime mm-hmm. and making sure I, I got all my answered question, my questions answered. And we spent about 20 minutes over FaceTime talking to each other. And it was so helpful the first time just being able to meet you and like see what you thought was going on with my nose and whether it was a good idea to move forward in thinking about rhinoplasty and then once we did that I saw you in person and the consultation went much better than I thought it was going to be he definitely did answer all my questions but he also told me what to expect and because my nose was so severe there's never perfect rhinoplasty he told me so he said about 60% 70% it was going to get better but compared to what I was beginning with it was a massive difference for me so I really wanted to go ahead and go through with it yeah, the airway stuff is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what we sounds like we it. know that the, yeah. anybody who has problems with their airway before surgery, the biggest predictor of nasal airway problems after surgery is problems before surgery. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm telling you, like the the most skilled of surgeons, you know, leave me out of the conversation. But like the most skilled of surgeons have problems reconstructing nasal airways. They're because you you move the septum, and now all of a sudden something else is out of whack. And we wind up with a lot of revisional surgery mm-hmm. when you're doing nasal airway combined with the the rhinoplasty. But so far, so good for Megan. Yes. And he actually told me during my in-person consultation, he was so happy that I had not gotten anything done to my nose yet because it was going to be my primary rhinoplasty. He was the only one touching my nose and no one had been in there yet to... It's a lot easier. Yeah. Do anything. Uh-huh. So when you came in for your consultation, what brought you in was the breathing problem. Exactly. Um, did you have any cosmetic concerns that you wanted to address as well? I did. There was a, my nose just hooked to the right. It was so obvious. It was very crooked. I did have a hump on my nose. So those were things I wanted to fix as well as doing the breathing correction. So he nailed it on both of them. Yeah. Good, good. good. Nailed it. <laughs> well, you know, we did drawings, right? We did. So I drew like the drawing actually looks like your nose as as most of mine do i i we are going to study this like we have uh in fact adira is going to help and uh dr joseph our fellow and we're going to take the befores the drawings and the afters and we're going to get other plastic surgeons to kind of look at it and say you know did we is it close is it like did, did you we totally nail it this? are you a total whiff <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> because that's the thing is i don't love We've talked about 3D imaging. I've got I've got real issues with it because it again. I think for the profile, 3D imaging is okay, but I think from the front, when you're moving around cartilage and all that, it doesn't represent what's going to happen. And I can draw what's going to happen because I can look at my patient and I can see oh the cartilages are here there and I'm going to move them there and I can actually represent that with a drawing better mm-hmm. than the the 3D imagers can do that. And I remember you didn't actually show me a 3D image. And I thought that was a little bit irregular because I had seen other doctors do that. But once he explained to me everything and how he wanted it to look and why he does it on paper and pen, it made so much more sense. And it came out perfect, like the way you drew it. Well, that's good. <laughs> good. Perfect is good. Um, yeah. The, so tell us about the other consultations. You, they did 3D imaging, right? They like took pictures and they pushed pixels around and all they that? They did. Yeah. I only went to one other consultation. He was more focused on the cosmetic procedure rather than fixing my breathing Mm. that's also why i really wanted to go ahead with dr calvert and because it was COVID again i mean it was so helpful dr calvert was really um okay with his patients doing facetime and with other doctors they wanted you to come in but then there was long lines so with other doctors it was just a little bit harder to get a consultation and they they did that 3d imaging but i also did not get the assurance from other doctors I did from Dr. Calvert and saying this is how it will probably look like but it's not 100% guaranteed other doctors kind of just gave me basically a blueprint nose they Mm. might give to other patients and say this is what's gonna happen yeah yeah I felt like it was a little bit more um, custom to me I told Dr. Calvert I want to look like the same person and he did make me look like the same person (laughs) we look great thank you (laughs) I didn't see you before but you look great now this is your nose looks like the nose that yeah, it, to you, it, you it fits have. my face. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where do you see the before? Oh, it didn't fit my face. <laughs> it didn't yeah. fit anywhere. No. It was like the septum was like in San Bernardino County. It was not in the right location. We yeah. really need to move it mm-hmm. significantly. And you had to hold on to those Doyle splints inside for a while. Mm-hmm. How miserable was that? I couldn't taste anything. I, I could 
be drinking everything I wanted to drink. Nothing happened. Not that I did, <laughs> but it was awful for two weeks. I just mm-hmm. felt like something was pinching my nose, but I knew what's what I had to do to keep that septum straight. And I'm glad I did it because it made my nose really straight after. Well, tell us a little bit about um, the actual procedure. So kind of walk us through how things went from the day you showed up, mm-hmm. you the morning you showed up to surgery, what happened, and walk us kind of through your surgery day. Okay. I wasn't nervous at all. A lot of my family was asking, are you nervous? Not at all. I had my full trust in Dr. Calvert. And actually, the night before, my anesthesiologist texted me. And I thought that was really cool. He yeah. calmed my nerves. I loved that. So when I showed up to the office in the morning, I was completely cool and collected, Dr. Calvert told me what was going to happen, walked me through it. And then I got onto the stretcher after they gave me my gown. And I just started chatting with the anesthesiologist, who's a really nice man. Shout out, Dr. Robert. Yeah. That's right. He's amazing. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The whole process of just getting into the office was super calm. Everyone was just reassuring me the entire time. It was really a very calm environment especially when you're doing surgery I know there's a lot of anxiety that comes with it but I had zero absolutely none and I remember talking to the anesthesiologist and I don't remember falling asleep and then just waking up to nurses being super kind and telling me I was done so it was really easy yeah, it's weird. You kind of lose that time. Mm-hmm. You do. You wake up and you're like, am I done? And you're like, yes, sweetie. You yeah. just woke up from eight hours of surgery. <laughs> you oh. done already? Shouldn't I be <laughs> the exhausted? the surgeon's like wiping the surgeon. Yeah. yeah. Sweat off their brow. Yeah. Mm, well, we did some surgery. <laughs> well, and then post-op, you, you had to keep the external splint on for a week and then the internals for two weeks, as you described. Um, again, if you don't, if I don't move the septum all around, that's not usually the way it is. But for your case, you Mm -hmm. had to keep this, the Doyle splints for two weeks, Mm -hmm. which really does seem to help. And in your case, it it has helped. Now, what didn't I, didn't I tell you a little bit that like, I guarantee you that there will be some hint of the old nose with this? Yes, you did. And he, because he told me that I was really meticulous in taping my nose after Mm -hmm. and making sure the swelling would go down. And I would actually tape my nose in a way where it would hook the other way. So we were kind of counteracting where my nose used to go towards. And I think that helped a lot as well. And he made sure I taped it for a good two months, two, three months. Yeah, I think that does help. Um, Obviously, we move everything and and we pin it in place. But the reason that I tell patients that is because I think the soft tissue envelope you know, the, the mucosa of the septum, the way the muscles have formed over your nose, the, the fascial layers, the skin envelope itself are all shaped like your old nose. Mm-hmm. So it wants to go back there. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It wants like the muscles are going to be flexing. I mean, people don't know that the, you have muscles in your nose, the nasalis muscle, the procerus comes down. There's, there's a lot of push and pull on the nose from your face that ultimately it's going to be pulling like the nose was still deviated. So I, I really emphasize this with people with crooked noses that like, don't be shocked when it has a little hint of the old nose and we might have to do something about it. It's not, it's not unheard of that. And that's why I tell people it's 10 to 15% chance of revision in, in my primaries. It's a lot less in the, in the secondaries, it's a lot more, but I always say, you know, you may need revisional surgery because this is such a crooked nose like it'll be great if it's totally straight and we can high five at one year and like like as Megan and I have mm-hmm. high fived and uh, it is still straight but you know the, the jury's still out like I, I'm not I'm not gonna you know 
walk away from your nose thinking like, ah, that one's done. Like you mm-hmm. never know. You never know. Healing always happens. And how was your post-op recovery? Like once you got past those initial two weeks of having the splints and finally getting them out, when did you feel like, okay, I can see my nose coming in now. I can see the results. You know, I can go out in public and people don't look at me weird. Like walk us through how that time course went for you. Okay. Yeah. So after about the two weeks when I got the splints taken out, I felt kind of like a normal human being again. I could do things with my face, taste, eat. And I would say about after a month, the massive majority of the swelling went down. I mean, like the bruising, the bruising was gone in like a week, but um, just the swelling in general, it took about a month to go down and it felt like my nose was a little foreign to my body for a while. And that took about a couple of months. It wasn't any pain or anything, but when I would touch the tip of my nose, it felt a little like my the tip of my nose was 10 feet in front yeah. of my face, you know? <laughs> the, the perception, the nose, and yeah. the sensation there is all But off. I would say about, about a month. Yeah. About a month. And you could walk around in a couple of weeks. And oh, yeah. Looking at you like, what mm-hmm. happened to you? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> super fast. When did you first notice like... Oh, I actually look different. What person or what situation did it finally hit home to you that like this was a different game? Um, my best friend had just come back from college and she had no idea that she I was getting my nose done. And the second her flight landed and she saw me, she just thought I looked amazing. She didn't know what was different to my face. That's and a good this one. was yeah, this was my best friend since babies Mm -hmm. and I loved that she thought I looked so great but couldn't tell what happened and that's when I realized wow like this is such a huge change and my life has forever changed with my confidence level but it's not overdone it doesn't look unnatural which I was going for well and and that's the thing people do say that that they that people will come up to them and be like oh my god you look so great did Mm -hmm. you lose weight did you are you working out like did you get new hair because they don't know that the nose is the difference the nose is the difference I had a patient um, who's been about six months out from her rhinoplasty and she said people just keep telling me that I look younger like she's 30 something but something about the nose surgery made her look younger and I think because we took a little bit of a hook off we straightened some of the bony uh, parts that were sticking out which I think gave her kind of an older nose look it was a little crooked a little bit bony and just by smoothing the whole thing out people were like you look younger yeah. so it's just a gentler look to the face mm-hmm yeah, and that that definitely comes home for people because they're in that that changes your confidence. Exactly. I mean, what what has that been like? Oh, it's been night and day. I feel like I'm a brand new person yeah. since it's been a year. I feel like it's really molded to my face now. I can't even imagine not having this nose. It's really helped me in all aspects of my life, especially in school and my career in the future. Having that confidence and being able to do everything with your best foot forward is really beneficial for me. It's so best nose, best nose for it. Yes, <laughs> I'm like a dork today. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but more importantly, how's the breathing? Amazing. So I actually, right after surgery, I lost about 10 to 15 pounds oh, because wow. I could actually exercise properly and hey. breathe. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. So I know. The oxygen, I'm telling you. It's and important. my sleeping you got so that. much better. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, I bet, right? Because yeah. people don't realize that when you can't breathe through your nose, you wake up a lot, kind of like silent wake-ups that mm-hmm. you don't realize that you're waking up, but the oxygen isn't getting to your brain. You're not circulating. And so you do one of these things and you wake up and you can do that multiple times throughout the night mm-hmm. and which I was make you feel very tired in the morning so yeah, yeah. well people yeah they wake up exhausted because yeah. they've been working all night <laughs> to breathe to stay alive basically which you know I 
sleep apnea and, and breathing problems through the nose are real problems. And, you know, I, I have stories that I will reserve for another podcast about why you should get your sleep apnea looked at and handled. But certainly for you, the, the breathe, you weren't using your nose as a breathing appendage. It was mostly there for show and it was showing way yep. to the, to the left and it was not in the right spot. So this not is, this is obviously much better. So much better. <laughs> so for other patients who are considering rhinoplasty, what were like the, the top three misconceptions that you had about rhinoplasty? So I thought going into it, I had seen so many noses done before and I thought there was just one way a nose was going to look and that kind of that pixie nose, you know, the pointy nose wit look, but that's not what I was going for. So once Dr. Cavett explained to me, no, we can make this however you want to do it and however you're comfortable with that was one myth that he kind of busted for me. Um, let me think of another one. I definitely think Dr. Calver allowing patients to come back a couple years later and doing a revision and being okay with it and acknowledging the fact that it might not be perfect the first time is also not common with a lot of other plastic surgeons. So yeah, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of my work and I need to, I need to kind of stand by it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, you know, some people come back and they have little things that we need to tweak. And I have had patients come back who say, you know, I love it, but it just hasn't aged well or whatever. And I said, you know, and then I, I, I'll work on them again if we have to. It's, it's definitely important mm-hmm. to have that person that you can go to that you're comfortable with too because you don't want to have to find somebody new exactly to do that i happen to do a lot of revision surgery which you know is uh not on my patients but i do i mean i i do revisions on my patients i mean if i i do 200 to 250 rhinoplasties a year and i have a 10 to 15 percent you know revision rate that's a real number of people that are getting revisional surgery mm-hmm. that's not nothing some are probably bigger than others, but a lot of them are, are just little small tweaks for the most part. But I count those. Yeah, no, of course, of course. I know a lot of my friends surgeon. don't count those, <laughs> but I count those. Yeah. I, if somebody has to come here and lay down and get needles in their nose to to numb it up, and then I'm taking steel to skin to to change something, that is a revision and it counts. And that's why my my statistics are what they are because, as you said, you just I mean. Who are you fooling? Like, I mean, do you think you're going to fool yourself? I'm not going to try to fool myself. I know my revision rate. I do them. So I'd rather just, you know, transfer that that information to my patients so that they know what they're up against and they're not shocked. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it is real. It's real. I mean, rhinoplasty is hard. The healing is unpredictable, but with, you know, I have 5,000 rhinoplasties under my belt now. And so I can, I can really kind of gauge where things are going to go. And I, I think I told you, these are the issues that could come up for you You did, and mm-hmm. we'd have to deal with them if we do. He laid it all out on the table for me. And I felt really comfortable that he gave me all of these instances that could happen, but he was being very honest with me and I appreciated right. that. So that's why I felt so comfortable coming to you. If anything were to happen, if I needed any little tweaks and bobs, <laughs> Dr. Calvert could do it after a year or two or whatever. Well, and that's the thing is that you need it. And then if you see those things happening, you don't like, you know, have a, have a heart attack. <laughs> exactly. You know? And because I wasn't like, expecting oh, perfection. Oh, oh. Yeah. I mean, there is no perfection. Every rhinoplasty that I do has some imperfection to it, which in, and I, I saw, so I saw this one patient and I, and I, I don't want to even mention who the surgeon is, but because he's just such a genius rhinoplasty surgeon himself. But what he did was this patient was unhappy with their nose and their nose was fine. It was a good result and really solid and a very difficult nose. 
And the patient came to me because they said, well, he won't do anything for me because like he said, this is the best it can be. Mm. And the email that he sent to this patient, he, he re- the guy read it to me and he said, uh, well, you know, he said, there's just going to be imperfections. and You have to accept that. It's not, this operation can't be perfected. And if we do surgery and have a problem, we'll be really disappointed that we tried to make something that's really good better. Right. And that is the, the saying I have is the enemy of good is better because if you go for better when it's already good and you have a problem you're going to be so upset that you even touched anything and you'll say oh i wish i would have never done anything i had a perfectly good nose and now it's a problem and that that's happened and that is and that is hard to do as surgeons and as patients to sit on your hands sometimes but you don't need anything. Okay, good. You look good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, don't. And it's don't not touch your problem. I was not even having any thoughts about doing anything. She's <laughs> like, maybe I should do it to no, you. Now you're talking about. I, like, I got two surgeons right here. We can just operating rooms open. Like you know, maybe Terrell can hold the instruments. We're like, we're all set. We don't have an anesthesiologist, but we'll give you like some Jack Daniels and perfect. A bowl. Yeah, we're good to go. Um, so, and in terms of your sort of uh, future you know, your future plans. I mean, I know you're, you're busy getting into your career and all that, which is great. Um, nothing with the nose the, you're, you're good to go. Like you're locked down. You don't do anything with it. Now you don't tape, you don't do anything, right? I don't, I haven't taped my nose at night for a couple of months. I am a belly sleeper, which I know is terrible because it pushes down on my nose, but I've been trying awesome. really good hard. to hear. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. But with all of that said, it has not moved. So I think really the post-op care and being careful about it and listening to Dr. Calvert has its, um, benefits to actually, following through with that post-op care yeah. what what's what was missing for you in in terms of the healing process i mean I, I is there anything that like i should add into the instructions anything that you you would say what you really should focus more on or what was missing for me is this mm-hmm. i definitely think the instructions were very clear he gave me a full pamphlet of what i should do i'm not sure if you prescribed any vitamins i should be taking i had seen a other people friends of mine taking vitamins after but honestly this might be because i am 21 i healed very fast i didn't take any vitamins i just iced i sat up straight for 24 hours a day even sleeping i slept sitting up so that my swelling would go down and within a week all of the bruising was gone and like i said within a month most of the swelling was down as well so i don't know if i would add anything maybe just vitamins to make the swelling go down for people who might not heal as fast or the bruising go down that's about it yeah we usually get you didn't get bromelain and arnica we usually give everybody I did that not. Yeah. I, that might have been a mistake on my end <laughs> i'm pretty sure we do that for okay <laughs> who knows maybe we got lost in the nursing instructions <laughs> there, there. Yeah. there's a ton but yeah i typically give bromelain and okay. arnica i'm not sure if it helps like you you said you didn't take it and your bruising it. was gone in a week i have other people who take all that stuff and they're bruised for you know two, <laughs> two three four weeks <laughs> yes and they took it, they did everything they iced. You know, bru- that's that's a big part of it is the bruising and swelling is so variable from patient to patient. I mean, my, so one of the coordinators who worked for me for a very long time until she had two kids and, and just couldn't take it anymore, um, we did her rhinoplasty one year. And she had like a hump and it was like a straightforward rhinoplasty, right? Mm. She was swollen and bruised for five months. <laughs> My surgical coordinator who's booking the rhinoplasties. (laughs) She's like, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. (laughs) I mean, sign up. That's so interesting. And I would just, you know, the only thing I would say is like, look, 
she's the worst that I've ever had. <laughs> like, of course, she works for yeah. me. And, and it was terrible. And I just felt awful. And I don't know what I could have done differently. I mean, her operation was, you know, they all kind of go the way that they go. Mm-hmm. There's not like a huge variation in the in the actual, you know, start to finish rhinoplasty other than the moves that are made to customize for each patient. But the, the, there's not... Not like, oh, you know, this one bled like crazy. I mean, once in a while, somebody's a bleeder. Once in a while, there's somebody who's like an undiagnosed Von Willebrands or something like that, and they bleed a lot. But most of the time, it's pretty straightforward. And she just was swollen and bruised, and it wouldn't quit. Like, every week, she'd come in and look like somebody just ran over her face with a tractor. Oh, and, and then all of a sudden, she healed, and she looked amazing. And she does, and, and it's held up great. But, God, that was just so weird. And, and I remember it so much because I... I had a lot of explaining to do for five months. <laughs> your patients come in, you're saying, don't look at that one. <laughs> like, okay, so this one's an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you're the outlier, then, you know, what am I going to say? I mean, it does happen. And, and I, that's why, A, I love that you came on to talk about this with us today. I really appreciate it. You know, and thank you for having was, uh, me. No, it's great. And, you know, Megan is not a paid consultant or anything like that. She's just, you know, doing this because she thought it would help patients, which I think is awesome. But it's great because. You know, people should hear that it's variable. You know, Mm -hmm. the fact that you didn't have bruising and swelling and I moved your septum a centimeter across your face, which would normally cause swelling of epic levels because you're not just working on the septum, you're working on the skull base and on the maxilla and the nose. And so typically people with big septal moves like that swell like like all get out they they are the worst swellers and you you just didn't for whatever reason i you know who knows why maybe you're yeah, just i got, got lucky super healing <laughs> just powers. A super healer power yeah. <laughs> yeah but that is important because it is totally variable and so that that is really important when having any surgery i mean i'm, I'm sure you see the same thing with oh, yeah. like some I of your reductions with and, my liposuction and my breast cases and sometimes i'm like huh <laughs> I don't know why you're so swollen. I don't know why that's bruised up. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. And it's not like anything different happened. It's the exact same. Exact it's like same the, the, the yeah. same anesthesiologist, <laughs> yeah. the same tech, the same injection. This like, but, 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 yeah. but we have a system that this stuff, you know, rolls. But the big variation is the healing of the person. And yeah, you know, there's some, you know, if somebody's like just came back from a bender in uh, Vegas and they've got, you know, other stuff on board and they've, you know, they didn't tell us about that, then, then things can change. Um, You know, if somebody just doesn't, you know, eat a lot of protein or whatever, they, they may not heal as fast. And I mean, it's just, the variations are so tremendous and that's why all those instructions are what they are and how Mm -hmm. the healing weight may be variable Mm -hmm. person to person. Um, any advice you'd give people that, that they need to hear from you? I think if you are thinking about getting your rhinoplasty, you should do it because it definitely did change my life forever. And along with all of the cosmetic benefits I got from it for the septoplasty, just moving my septum on the inside, I have such a great breath now. I don't know, really know how to explain it. Um, I'm. It's it's a world of a difference being able to breathe now. And if you're nervous about all of the aftercare, everything, it's not that bad. It really isn't. It's a couple of days where you feel uncomfortable. I didn't have any pain after. It was just a little bit pressure in my head yeah. built up. But other than that, it went away. We give They give medicine. So it's really not that bad. The healing, like I said, it was about a week. I know it depends on every patient. <laughs> That's good. But, so you're getting good. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to tell your friends, like, oh, it's a piece of cake. I and know. then they, they're the one person that feels like, you yeah. know, they got hit by a bus. You know, it mm-hmm. does. 
but I definitely would say if you're thinking about it, get that consultation because it could change your life. And how, how would they go about the research? I mean, not everybody's going to come to Beverly Hills and, and, you know, have surgery here. So you're sitting in, uh, you know, Framingham, Massachusetts. How do you go about the research? So for me, I know this wasn't the best way to do it. I just looked up doctors around me and I'm grateful I live in Orange County and it's such a great area for doctors. I did find Dr. Calvert like that, but I also had a family member that went to Dr. Calvert too. So upon, yes. (laughs) Totally forgot. (laughs) (laughs) So upon looking up all the doctors around me, having that family member go through a procedure with him and have such a great experience, I think also made me very comfortable. And I read so many reviews from people who did see Dr. Calvert. So all of it put together just made me realize, you know, this is the doctor for me. And after the consultation, it really solidified the fact that he was a good fit. Yeah, you got to do your research and then you just got to go out and talk to people. Yeah, exactly. And, and have um, word of mouth. Sometimes if you know anybody who's been through a procedure with a doctor, yeah, getting that firsthand experience from your yep. friend. How important were the before and after photos on the website? Oh, so important. You could definitely see such a huge difference. And seeing the way Dr. Calvert does his noses and comparing it to other doctors and the way they do their noses, it made me realize I like the way he does his noses because each doctor has their own personal preference for doctors and patients. Yeah, they have their own touch. Exactly. So it was really helpful seeing those before and afters and being able to compare and contrast between the doctors and seeing which one I'd prefer. Not that there's one good way and one bad way or an incorrect way it's just what you would like so yeah it's very different that's what we we say that every week you got to look at the before and afters and you got to decide that you like them because especially with rhinoplasty there is definite stylistic differences you know and and again if you're you know not in the area there you you really have to do that you have to and and i just can't stress that enough because you're going to find people that are board certified plastic surgeons or facial plastic surgeons you're going to find people that have, you know, great track records and great reviews, but you got to look at the work. I, I think it's really, really the key. Mm-hmm. I think the work, you know, is, is where you're going to say, oh, I like this because you, you're going to get that. Like, I mean, you got what I do. <laughs> I right? did. Uh-huh. Yeah, you did. That is a like, Jay Calvert nose. It, it is. <laughs> get out across the room. <laughs> <laughs> it, and I was is. okay with that. That's what I went for. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you like the before and afters. And so uh-huh. it's like, oh, I bet that'll be great for me. And it is. Mm-hmm. But. You know, there are some people that do just, you know, there's such a wide variety of of stylistic points that Mm -hmm. you have to kind of really be. And and that's hard to train because most people don't know how to look at before and after photos. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of go with a general feel because I have, I mean, I look at my before my before and afters i'm like i like these noses i made them. (laughs) And I look at some of my colleagues noses and I'm like, they're good. I just wouldn't pick that. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're bad. Mm-hmm. They're they're really good noses, just not what I would do with that patient. So it it is a personal preference thing, and and I really emphasize that, especially with facelifts, especially with rhinoplasty, definitely with breasts. I mean, do you agree with that statement? I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think that that is very accurate because we all do the same procedures, but we all do them a different way. We all, we all have our personal preferences as to how we like the outcomes to look. Not to say that all patients are going to get the same outcome, but surgeons, you know, like they're like patients. We have a preference to the aesthetic that we like. Yep. And so we tend to skew more towards one outcome than another. 
Megan, do you have any questions for us? I don't have any questions. I just wanted to say thank you for having me on here and letting me kind of give my experience and share how it went for me. And I hope this helps someone who's thinking about getting a rhinoplasty or, or any other procedure with you both. Great. Well, I'm sure they will. I'm sure it, it. our podcast is very interesting that we help patients all over the country, all over the world, really, because they they hear... You know, they might be looking for a surgeon in Houston or something like that. And so these, you know, these uh, kind of discussions of what to consider are really essential. So it's a big deal. And I really appreciate you coming in. And and Um, I I will give you a uh, a good news, though, is that we will give you a a rock spa treatment (laughs) as a a little. Thank you. That's why I said she's not a paid consultant or anything. So so she's just a really, really good person. Yeah. But she didn't know when she said all that stuff. I did. That's really important. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll definitely hook you up, and and, uh, and the team will will do some good stuff for you. Thank so we you. appreciate you coming in. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, we kind of hit all the all the big points. So this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the nine zero two one zero. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Doctor Ravello or myself. We're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Vello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medispa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing... Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.